This is the Truth Network. Looking for my wallet and my car keys. Well, it can't have gone too far. Just as soon as I find my glasses, I'm sure I'll see just where they are. I love In Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now. This is the stuff that drives me crazy. This is the stuff that's getting to me lately. In the middle of my little mess, I forget how big I'm blessed. This is the stuff that gets under my skin, but I've got to try. Insights today to Noah's window. Yes, Noah's window. Did you know it could be locked? <laughs> well, you know, Matthew 16, 19 says, and I will give thee, right, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He says he's going to give us the keys to the kingdom. Well, sometimes do you feel like you've lost your keys? <laughs> yeah, well, fortunately, this is the stuff, right, that drives us crazy and he's using that stuff and we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about noah's window we're going to talk about that whether or not that's locked and certainly there's a lot to the key to your heart stuff we're going to be doing all that so did you ever consider that really you might be the face of god to someone in a situation where god is unlocking their heart right and personally Connected to that, I have loved keys for years. I really, really have. I mean, they're the sign of authority and what little kid doesn't play with keys. I mean, they all do, right? Have you ever wondered about that? So when I first got in the car business, one of the first jobs I got was in the parts department. And one of the things they do in the parts department is when people lose their keys, they call in and they get a key cut or they bring a key to get a copy made. And so I got to learn how to make keys. Well, for a kid that's 15, 16, I might have been 13. When our old I was, I was having a blast because there was a man by the name of Chet Van Leer and he was like the Jedi master key maker. <laughs> he could literally look at a key and he knew, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but a key has little, you know, the old style keys that we had in cars back in those days. They had little notches, right? Well, each of those notches has a particular depth to it. And if you know the depth of those little notches, you can cut a key. And he could look at a key, and without getting a measurement tool or anything else, he could sit there, just look at that key, and he could cut it for you. Now, I don't know if you've considered that, that inside each door, maybe your door to your house, 
They've got these little tumblers that match up with those little grooves. And when everything is even, then that cylinder will twist in the lock so that you can open the door. Well, have you considered, I have been a lot to this, this particular week, that you've got a cylinder similar to that, right, in your heart. And it goes click, click, click. And the next thing you know, when all the tumblers are in line, the cylinder twists and God's got the key to your heart somehow. I, you know, we're going to talk about that. The key to the window that's in there. But first, we're going to have a little fun. So I want to play a little name that noise along these lines. Keith? It's time to play Define That Defect. Resolve that roar. Trace that tick. Highlight that hubbub. Name that noise. Chronicle that clatter. So get ready to call in at 866 348 7884. That's 866 34 Truth for the biblically, I mean, for the uh, those that can do that kind of thing with their phone. 866 348 7884. If you can name this noise. Oh, that's a cool noise, isn't it? So it was easy last week, but it ain't so easy this week. But if you can name that noise, uh, Keith, tell them what they'll win. They can win one of our wonderful books from the Christian Car Guy Prize Vault. All right, and we just resupplied that prize vault this morning, so I know there's some wonderful books. If you can name that noise, we would love for you to call in at 866-348-348. 7884 is the number to call in and win. Keith, can you play it? Would you mind playing it for them one more time so they can hear that noise? Get ready to call in. There you go. What do you think? 866 348 7884 866 34 Truths. Number to call in and play. We would love to hear what you think that might be. But since, you know, by way of our Bible understanding, Noah's Ark is a picture of your heart. I don't know if you've thought about that, but we talked about it a lot a couple weeks ago when we, you know, had talked about how Noah pitched the ark inside and out, and that's kind of a covering like Jesus's blood that goes on our heart. And so as we picture Noah's Ark, right, have you ever thought about God asked Noah to put a window in it? In fact, actually, in Genesis 6.16, he said, a window shall thou make into the ark, and a cubit shall thou finish it. Well, if you go to the, you know, it's really cool in Tennessee, now they have the ark encounter, and <clears throat> when it comes to that window, if you check that out, the ark encounter people say concerning the ark in Genesis, it mentions this window twice. But the one window is one word in Hebrew, and the other window is another word in Hebrew. The first window that is mentioned, the one that he's told to put in, is a T-S-O-H-A-R, char. And it means to glisten. Actually, it is used 24 times in the Bible, and all other 23 times in the Bible, it is the noonday sun. I mean, we're talking a bright light here. (laughs) So... You know, that question that they asked there at the Ark Encounter is, you know, how did Noah light up his ark? And actually, 
there's an old Hebrew controversy, much about the rabbis, that there the Toshar was this stone. Actually, it contained the power of the light that illuminated the world before God made the sun and the moon. And that they believe, the, some, of the, some of the Hebrew scholars believe, that he had this thing mounted up in the top of the ark so they would have light during the dark storm. Now, I don't know, you know, and I'm sure nobody will ever know until we get to see the ark in heaven, what exactly is going on with that, whether that was a skylight, whether or not it was a Tushar light, those kind of things. We do know that Noah opened a window at some point in time, let out the dove. <laughs> But the thing that really got my attention this week was, what about your heart's window? And and as you considered the light that was in that, and, you know, clearly Jesus is in our heart, so it is kind of a neat picture. And there's clearly a dove that flies in and out with the the, um, olive branch. I don't know if you've considered that, but, you know, in the... (laughs) But on this whole idea of locked window, right, this is the thing that I really, God has been working on me with. So I want you to think about this story that I'm going to tell you. I've told this story many times about Johnny Hendricks, and he was a car salesman I worked with. And I want you to listen to the tumblers in this lock as the window in his heart gets opened. But I I want you to picture that there's a several tumblers and they have to get right in line before the cylinder will twist and we can unlock his heart. So think about it. Johnny had been selling cars with me for five years. In fact, he was the king of the car salesman in Moxville. I mean, he knew almost everybody in Davie County. This is in North Carolina, for those of you who don't know, but he was one of those old-time salesmen, knew everybody. Everybody loved this man. He was wonderful to be around, and I'd love to talk to him, but if you ever started to mention Jesus or anything like that, he kind of went to the other room, and we had a Bible study there, and he would pay for the lunch of the Bible study, or he would help support it in a number of ways, but he would never come. Well, Lots of times I tried to talk to him about Jesus, but over that five years, but you know, we never got any far and I never really thought all that much about it, honestly, to my chagrin as it would turn out later, because one day he knocks on my door and he's like, Robbie, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, come on in. He said, well, I've got pancreatic cancer and I, I need to talk to you. So we'll talk about that conversation. We got lots of people that are going to name that noise in a minute. I'm so excited to talk to them about our noise coming up. And, of course, your story where maybe you had the keys to the kingdom. We're going to be talking about that when we come back. Stay tuned. So much more Christian Car Guy show coming up. Looking for my wallet and my car keys. Well, it can't have gone too far. Just as soon as I find my glasses, I'm sure I'll see just where they are. I lost my keys in the great Insights into... Noah's window today. Yes, Noah's window. 
And that's what we're talking about on the Christian Car Guy Key Insights. And we got a little name that noise playing, a uh, game playing, and I'm very excited. We have got Martin actually is in Raleigh, North Carolina. Martin, you're on the Christian Car Guy show. Good morning. Good morning. I am very excited. But by the way, for all those others who may are on hold listening, I would love to talk to each of you. So if Martin happens to mention the noise that that is the right one, by short, by all means, please stay on the line so we can talk to you. But Martin, do you want to hear that noise again so that you can have a chance to name it? Well, I'm pretty sure what it is. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Find me. Go ahead, Keith, if you could play it one more time. All right, Martin, what do you think? How can you name that noise? Well, it sounds like my wood lathe when I'm turning a piece of wood with my uh, turning chisel. You know, that's exactly what it sounds like. And if, and and for all I know, while they were doing what it is that they were doing there, there may have been a wood lathe in the background that they were hearing. <laughs> It's not exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> but that is, you know, I've used a wood lathe, and you're exactly right. That's that's what that sounds like. I would I would say that's a great guess, and we're, we're going to make you a winner, even though that isn't the noise that it was actually thinking we were recording, okay? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. God bless, Martin. I appreciate you calling in. Thanks. I'm going to put him back on hold. (laughs) Thank you. So we can get his information. We have Joe is in Durham, North Carolina. They're in Raleigh, Durham today. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So do you want to hear that noise again, or are you ready to go? Oh, I'm ready to go. I know what it is. All right. (laughs) I'm excited (laughs) to hear this. What, What do you think it is, Joe? Oh, it's a key cutting machine. Ah, uh, that's exactly right. Isn't that cool? There's, oh yeah. Uh, by the way, there's I'm a, a lot landlord. of landlord. I'm a land. I'm a landlord, so I've had a menu one made, so I'm very familiar with the sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little grinding. So it's like a it's like a lathe. I could see where he could hear that noise, but that's got those little grinding wheels, and it's cut those little yeah. grooves into a key. Yeah. And have yeah. you ever noticed that sometimes yeah. a key that fits one door will fit something just completely different? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same way with uh, automobile keys. Yeah, we used to have a whole ring of hundreds of keys that when we <laughs> locked up a car, because, you know, there's only five different, there used to be only five different combinations of <laughs> of tumblers that it could be and so if you had the right yeah. one it would open up thank you for calling joe god bless sure i appreciate absolutely. it very much absolutely. all right we got jonathan is in iowa this morning jonathan where in iowa are you i'm in des moines right now wonderful wonderful des moines so listening on ktia out there the truth yes sir well you appreciate that very much so jonathan what did you think the noise was? That is a key-cutting duplication machine. <laughs> You're right. And, and that, I love the way you added the duplication machine. Because when you actually cut a key, the first time, you don't use that kind of machine. It, it uses sort of a press that, that pops out those 
um, ch- chunks of key that, to make the key. But when you're making a duplicate, that's mm-hmm. the one you use. So you're exactly right. How did you know that? Um, I My uncle was a locksmith. And so any family gathering, when we needed keys duplicated, he would always make them. And so that sounds just kind of ingrained into my mind. That's cool. So, Did you ever pick a lock, Jonathan? Um, I've never picked one. I've cut a few, but I've never picked one. Yeah, well, the, the way that that's done, and I used to try my hand at it because <laughs> we, we were locked out of many a car. So losing keys was something that if you're in the car business, everybody's in it knows that this is a real struggle. And so occasionally we would have to try to pick the lock. And, and essentially the way that it works is you, you have this little, you know, pick set. And one of those is a lever that you stick in the cylinder that, so you can continually ap- apply pressure to try to twist it while you, what they call rake the lock, the, the tumblers inside the thing. So you hold pressure on it to, to kind of push it to the right, and then you you pull on, across the tumblers <clears throat> because if the pressure's just right, actually those tumblers will fall in and it will twist if you know what you're doing. Correct. <laughs> the, key, the key is I found out most of the time is I didn't know what I was doing, but there you go. Jonathan, thank you for calling in. God bless. You too. All right. We got all these winners today. We got Ramona is in Walnut Cove, North Carolina. Ramona, you're on a Christian Car Guy show. Good morning. Hey, good morning. So. Can you hear me? I hear you great. What, what Ramona, what do you think that noise oh. is? Well, I knew exactly what it was, and you were just talking earlier about this story with the tumblers. Uh-huh. And unlocking uh you know, unlocking uh, truth that we can use in our, our our lives to bless us. And I thought, well, that's perfect. That sound does match it. I've I've been to Elliot's locksmithing with my my husband, and we've been to Total Hardware to to make duplicates. And so I knew instantly it was a it was a machine for making duplicate keys. Isn't that cool? And, and isn't it amazing yeah. how God's got the key to your heart? <laughs> Amen. He sure does. And actually, my wife has the key to my heart in a lot of ways. She she knows, you know, under these circumstances, this is a way to talk to Robbie. (laughs) And so, you know, it's kind of interesting to figure out, you know, those combinations with the people that we love. You know, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ramona. God bless. I appreciate you calling in very much. Thank you. So we got to get back to our friend, Johnny, who was unfortunately dying with cancer and some of the keys to his heart. We would love to hear your story, maybe where you unlocked someone's heart for the gospel, where you actually were given the keys to the kingdom. We're going to talk about that when we come back. We would love to hear your story. 866-34-TRUTH. Bobby Dillmore here, and the Truth Network podcasts have helped make my pillow the company it is today. And now Mike Lindell, who, by the way, I've met and is a great guy, the inventor and CEO of my pillow, wants to give back to our listeners. For the first time, you can get deep discounts on all my pillow products if you go to mypillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Who never thought that my dream job would be selling my pillows? <laughs> Maybe you're getting tired of these sleeping jokes, but you can get deep discounts on my pillow. 
pillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. For example, the body pillow is regularly $89.99, but with a promo code GETTRUTH, it's only $29.99. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code GETTRUTH or call 800-942-9613 for these great radio specials. I say this calls for action and now... This is the stuff that drives me crazy. This is the stuff that's getting to me lately. In the middle of my little mess, I forget how big I'm blessed. This is the stuff that gets under my skin. But I've got to trust. You know exactly what you're doing. Might not be what I would choose. So we are talking key insights today. On Noah's window, was it locked? What about the keys to that? And one of the keys, we have a very special treat actually for you right now, is that, you know, some cars are in our lives that are often the keys to the way that all sorts of interesting things may happen. And and when I think of certain classic cars in my own life, one of those would be the Lincoln Continental because, you know, my father was a dealer in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico when I was a kid. And whenever he would trade for one of these Lincoln Continentals, and this was back in the 60s, it was like, oh, my gosh, it was like riding on a, a pillow or something. <laughs> so we are excited because we have Ted Ryan with us. Lincoln is celebrating the 80th anniversary of the Continental. So how cool is that, Ted? It's amazing, and as the Ford Motor Company historian, I'm getting to celebrate this 80th anniversary and tell everybody about one of America's design classics. In uh, 1938, Edsel Ford, the son of Henry Ford, uh, went to Europe with his wife, Eleanor, and he he noticed that the European cars just had a different design feel. And when Edsel came home, he uh, got Bob Gregory, the lead designer for Ford and Lincoln, uh, to work with them, and they lengthened the car by 12 inches, lowered it by four inches, and stylized the wheels and put the put the spare tire outside the car on the on the back trunk. And uh, the Lincoln Continental was born. That that Continental design feel. It was a car that was so beautifully designed. The Museum of Modern Art selected it as one of the eight design classics in the world. And Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, the Arizona, or, or, who ties Arizona. Uh, called it the most beautiful car in the world and owned two of them. Did he really? And it, oh man, he was an architect, unbelievable. So I mean, he had he had a real sense of style. And and, and when you think of you know when I was a kid, everybody wanted a Continental kit, right? They wanted to put that put that tire back on their trunk, and, and still. So Lincoln, this is alive and well, and the Continental still still going strong what's what's cool about this this year's edition since we're now we're talking about the 2020 i guess lincoln continental 2020 well the the 2020 we've got an announcement coming soon i can tease it but i can't let it out but, but oh. 2019 <laughs> when 2019 what we did for the 80th anniversary which we knew was coming up uh we did a special 80th anniversary lincoln continental that had the coach doors the center opening doors that everybody remembers from the from the famous 1961 oh, yeah. Lincoln Continental. Oh, yeah. And we only made 80 of them. Each one had a special nameplate. Uh, uh, they sold out pretty quickly. And the, the actual anniversary is October 2nd. And I believe the first one is being delivered uh, to the customer who 
boarded it on October 2nd to celebrate the 80th anniversary. And what's beautiful about Lincoln is that it's changed over time. You know, you had the, the original Mark One, the, the, the generation from 39 to 48. The 1956-57 Mark II was considered one of the most famous cars in the world. It was it was the most expensive car in the world at over $10,000. Frank Sinatra owned one. President Eisenhower owned one. It was it was a car to aspire to. Then the 61 with the center opening coach doors. And when you get to the 70s and the 80s and the Marks 3 and 4, those are the <clears throat> ones that, uh, if you think French Connection, you know, with the classic Lincoln Continental pulling up with the square headlights that, you know, the, that opened up, they were closed. Uh, every different mark, every different generation that has had its own design feel. I, and I think that's credit to Edsel Ford. It all goes back to his idea. And that uh, is- he had this great quote. Uh, real quick, his father made the most popular car in the world. I want to make the best car in the world. And I think that symbolizes Lincoln. Oh, wow. I had never heard that before about Edsel, that he said that. But, you know, one of the Lincolns, I think, as a historian, that would probably pop out in everybody's mind was a black one that was being driven in 1963. What can you tell us about that car? That's true. The Lincoln Continental that uh, Kennedy was riding in when he was assassinated. It, you know, it's, uh, it's a sad tale in the Lincoln lineage, but the Lincolns were used as presidential limousines uh, for generations. And if anybody's ever in the Dearborn area in Michigan, you can actually go see that Lincoln and a number of the others uh, that were used for presidential limousines at the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn. Okay, it's one of the is it really there? It, it, Oh, it's, it's yes, and it's an amazing museum. It, it's not associated with Ford. Uh, Henry Ford founded it, but it's a it's a private nonprofit museum on innovation, and they have almost every presidential limousine in a row, and it's just inspiring as you walk down that row and see all the different Lincolns that all the different presidents were driven around in. Well, what a neat job to work for Lincoln. I mean, is to work for Ford Motor Company as a historian, and so. You know, I'm really interested. What is it that really just like you would love to share with us that we don't know about that would be really cool? Well, I'll tell one more Lincoln story. And, and at Ford Motor Company, we have a million stories. So this is one of my favorite Lincoln ones. Edsel Ford, when he came back from Europe and he designed the prototype car with, with Bob Gregory. Uh, a, Bob Gregory was his lead designer, but he was also a yacht designer. So that gives you the sense of the feel uh, the the beauty and elegance that he brought, but he had the prototype shipped down to Florida, where Edsel was was going on vacation, and Edsel drove his prototype Lincoln around. This is uh, early 1939, and he received orders for over 200 cars just like that. And that was when he decided to actually go into production, and the 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 assembly line began on October 2nd as he began to fill those 200 orders that he had received uh, just from sight of that first car. Yeah, so here we are, just less than a week away from that 80th anniversary. Wow. And and I, I can't imagine anybody whose life hasn't been touched in one way or another by a Lincoln Continental. I mean, they, they, they've just been that kind of icon of American culture. It is. It's, 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 it's luxury and elegance, so it's a car to aspire to, but... But the Lincoln design ethos, I'll put in a plug for some of the new ones, the, the new Corsair and the new <clears throat> Lincoln Aviator, pardon me, uh, the luxury midsize SUV and the Corsair, the smaller one. I've seen the Corsair, and if I had to pick two Lincolns, I think I'm picking the 61 
uh, coach door. And I'm picking the Corsair because it is, it is beauty and elegance, uh, for today's lifestyle, because we want the we want the hatchback. We want to be able to put more luggage in, and, and we, but we want to ride and, and luxury and re, you know, a refined design that Edsel Ford himself would be proud of. And I, I think we hit that mark today. That is awesome. Well, Ted, thank you so much for sharing all that. We're so grateful for you coming on today and for this 80th anniversary. God bless you. Great. Thank you, and have a wonderful weekend. You too, Ted. God bless. Wow. Well, there's a key. One of the keys to a lot of people's hearts are their Lincolns, apparently. And and we wanted, we wanted to share, you know, this idea of the tumblers of a lock that God has opening up the key that may be the window to your heart kind of thing. It says we're talking about this window from Noah's Ark. But we, we're talking about my friend Johnny Hendricks. And we had talked about what a great car salesman he was and what a great friend. But we just didn't know where he stood with the Lord. And so he knocked on my door that day. I, like I said, I'd known him about five years. And he wanted to talk to me. He had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and was, I think that looking back on it, this was probably the moment that he was actually wanting to talk about Jesus. But honestly, as I often get myself all wrapped up in something I shouldn't be wrapped up in, I didn't have time to talk to him right then. I was worried about a new building that I was building and all sorts of things were on my mind. And I just kind of said, well, Johnny, you know, because being a cancer survivor myself, I just said, well, you know, I'll pray for you. I'm sure it's going to be okay. And I really was sure it was going to be okay. I, I, I didn't consider for a minute that this would be the end of Johnny's life. Well, <clears throat> two weeks later, Johnny's in a coma. And I get a call from his wife, Geraldine, and she uh, is like, Robbie, can you please come? You know, the whole family's here. They're saying he doesn't have but a few hours to live. So Tammy and I rush over to the hospital and when we get there, you know, I'm like, oh, my goodness. And it's coming to me the whole way there that I had a chance to talk to Johnny and I, and I didn't do it. And so I was shocked when we got there that Geraldine, um, the doctor, comes came in and he said, well, we probably only have an hour or so. Geraldine, we can only have two people in the room with him. Who do you want to come? And she said, I want Robbie to come because I know Robbie will pray. I, I never remember feeling so low in my life. It's like. Oh, I'm a prey now, but where was I when Johnny needed me? You know, all I could remember was that, you know, I could see the look on his face and like, oh my goodness, I don't know where Johnny stands. And so actually I went in and I did pray with Geraldine. I prayed with Johnny and I came back out and there stood Bruce Rollins, who was Johnny's best friend and Geraldine. I said, Geraldine, do you know, does, Don, does Johnny know Jesus? And she said, I don't know, Robbie. He used to go to Turnine Baptist Church and he got all mad at the preacher and and I asked Bruce, his best friend, did you know Johnny? Whether or not he knew Jesus? And he said, Robbie, I don't, I don't really know. So there I was in that situation. When we come back, we would love to hear your story about where God had the key to somebody's heart. 866-348-7884 maybe gave you the keys to the key. Insights to Noah's Window today on the Christian Car Guy Show. 
Uh, before I get back to our story with Johnny Hendricks, we did have a caller come in to call in to correct me. I had said that the Ar- Ark Encounter was in Tennessee. Sorry. It's actually in Kentucky. And so I appreciate you keeping me straight on the air. <laughs> it's not that my wife would tell you. Robbie makes lots and lots of mistakes. But um, that was... I appreciate the person calling in and sharing that. So, and also I would appreciate it if you got a story, 866-348-7884. So there I was. I didn't know where Johnny stood. The doctor said he had less than an hour to live. I made a right turn and started to pray. In fact, I actually went out and got my car and went to a place that I normally would pray. And there I essentially said, God, if you would just please, please, please give Johnny a little more time, I promise you, I promise you that I will either introduce him to you or I'll help him to get to know you better. Please, please, please save him. So when I get back to the hospital, they're actually talking about he, 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 maybe we should stop the life support because I don't think he's going to wake up. And I said, please, please don't do that. Don't do that. So this went on for about three days. The family was being urged to stop the life support. I was urging them to keep the life support on And interestingly, on the fourth day, Johnny sat up in the bed like somebody from Davie County would and puts on his ball cap. (laughs) And he's talking like, you know, oh, my goodness. And so I walked in there with the situation and immediately I was like, oh, man, God, you have come through for this. I guess I need to come in with what I've promised. And so I actually went back out to the exact same place, started to pray again. And fortunately, this is where God gave me one little, right, tumbler on the lock. He said, Robbie, Johnny's a car salesman. Because I really had no idea how to approach Johnny with the subject because Johnny never went deep on anything. And I was like, how do I, how do, I do this? So I walked into Johnny's room knowing that Johnny is a car salesman. And I said, Johnny, I made a deal with God. And Johnny, being a car salesman, says, what kind of deal did you make with God, Robbie? And I said, well, I made him a deal that if you would um, give Johnny more time, that I would either introduce you to him or help him to get you know you better. And Johnny, in Davie County fashion, looked at me and said, well, Robbie, you better get to it. And so the next oncoming weeks, I began to take him through the Gospel of John. It was what God kind of put on my heart to share. Obviously, another one of those tumblers in the lock, it would appear. And um, I was doing the I am statements. I am the bread of life. I'm, you know, the living water. But when I got to I am the resurrection, I went and shared the story about Lazarus without really thinking much about it. It was just what I shared. <laughs> well, the next morning when I came to his house to, to study again, the, the street was lined with cars, which I really thought, oh, this might not be good because, you know, when you see a lot of cars by somebody's house, it could have been a tragedy. But when I walked in, actually, Jimmy Lancaster, one of the pastors there in that area, was in his house, and he immediately said, Johnny, tell Robbie what's happened. And I said, what's happened? And he said, well, Robbie, when you left yesterday, you'd been talking about Lazarus and the resurrection, and, and my sister brought in a stack of Gaither CDs. And the first song that she stuck in the CD player was four days late, but right on time. And as soon as I heard that, I realized I was in a coma for four days. <laughs> and this was my story of resurrection. And I realized 
I needed to give my heart to Christ. I asked Jimmy Lancaster, this pastor, to come over, and, and I had a brother in Christ. Now, Johnny actually lived for about two weeks after that. But I've shared that story at his funeral. I've shared it many other places. And, and, and Johnny's done a whole, whole lot in those two weeks that, that he got to live as a result of God giving him just a couple of those tumblers in Johnny's heart, which actually, by, by the way, started, you know, where it says this is the way he does it. <laughs> you know, I had totally blown it. And, and, and it really is some, some difficult stuff that, that you think about that were in those tumblers. But I bet if you think in your own life, how did God get your attention? How does he get through that window? You know, what, what are the keys to the kingdom in somebody else's life? And, and I think that one of the things that I would note is I was studying a story this week about a, um, Don Richardson, who wrote the book Peace Child. And, and I thought about all the tumblers in the lock that led to him leading all these cannibals to Christ. They were, there was this step and that step and this step. And then all of a sudden, the lock opened. But most of it came through tragedy. Most of it came through adversity. And all of it came through patience and believing and faith. And, and so, you know, when it comes to sharing Christ, it's, it's certainly worth and certainly exciting to think about how he's given you those keys. But they don't just necessarily turn on the first time. So... I do want to share with you something we at the Truth Network are very excited about. The, the Persecution Project has been working for years in the Nuba Mountains. And if you know my boss, Stu Epperson, he one time went over there and, and shared water. But there's been a horrible bombing over there. There's been, there's been a sort of an embargo of all the Christians. It's just sort of like genocide over there. And, and so there in the Nuba Mountains, there is a lady by the name of Medina. And she has been teaching the children there songs. And these amazing songs are not only about Jesus, but they're also about how when you hear the airplanes, you're supposed to go hide in the bush because they're just indiscriminately bombing Christians over there. That's the kind of persecution that's going on. So Brad Phillips and the Persecution Project's actually building a hospital. And they are looking for donations, which if you go to truthnetwork.com, you can find it's pretty easy. You can find out Medina's song. Well, there's a wonderful video there. It's on Medina's life and, and shares a little bit of her story and her songs that she's been teaching. So if you go to the truthnetwork.com and you click on Medina's song, right, you can watch the video, build a hospital, and give life to women. I mean, it's wonderful stuff. And it's all there at truthnetwork.com, which again, we're excited to be able to share in what Christ is doing in the Nuba Mountains with Medina. So I think I'd be kind of remiss if I didn't share with you that Monday I was praying in my normal pray prayer time, and all of a sudden I saw what looked like, I was given this vision of like a window, and when I looked behind the, the enclosure, it was there was something on the other side that was alive, more alive than anything I'd ever really seen in my life. My heart kind of leaped out like I jumped out, and I was like, God, what is that? What is that? What is it that's so alive? And he told me, Robbie, it's a window. And that's what started me on this journey as I went and studied window, got to see the idea of what happened at Noah's Ark, and got me on this idea of window. But interestingly, all week long, he was also teaching me about the tumblers in this lock, the key to this window. 
So well, I was about to go to work that day, and I did not know who was in behind that window. And I should share with you that I actually kind of got frustrated with God. I said, look, I am not going to work until you share with me who was, who was it that I was seeing that was so alive, that was more excited. It was so exciting to see through that window to see what, what that was, which I then was realizing was my heart and was this tofar kind of light that's in my heart that was illuminating this, which I was seeing. And Jesus told me, Robbie, it's us. Meaning that when you're united with Christ, when you're united with God, when you're united with the Holy Spirit, with that dove that's got the branch, wow, you're more alive than any time you could possibly be. If I could just keep that window open <laughs> during the day rather than keep closing it or maybe people around me ought to give them the key to the kingdom so that they could spend time with the real Robbie because often I close the window and then they're dealing with death because apart from me you can do nothing so remember hang out with Jesus this week right slow it down Jesus walked everywhere he went and got it all done in 33 years I'm so grateful for all the calls today and for you listening to the Christian Car Guy Show. God bless.